um, I had someone come to me this morning. They said, Trent, uh, you're flying out after church to Orlando. Uh, it's going to be a crunch for you to make your departure time. Does that mean the sermon's going to be cut short? And I said, probably not. <laughs> probably it. I might miss my flight. I don't know. Uh, I hope not. But uh, hey, we are doing our study. We're continuing to study in the book of Genesis. Uh, chapter 18 is where we find ourselves um, this morning. And uh, if you guys would turn with me uh, to chapter 18, uh, I'll give you a quick uh, summary of where we found ourselves last week as we look through chapter 18 verses 1 through 12. Uh, you know, we're doing the study, the, the study on the Exodus, Moses, and the children of Israel have left Egypt and such. And last week, uh, 14 or uh, uh, yeah, 14 chapters later, uh, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, shows up, right? And it's after a battle, the first battle that they had had as a nation with uh, the Amalekites. And so Jethro shows up, and we talked about the, the timely uh, encouragement. You know, he brought with him uh, Moses' wife, and Moses' two sons, right? Uh, Gershom and Eliezer, right? So you can imagine the encouragement, having not seen them, having, having, having sent them back uh, prior to the exodus and whatnot. Uh, so you can imagine the encouragement in that. And uh, uh, one of the beautiful things about last week's story was the fact that Moses, uh, when he encounters his father-in-law, and his father-in-law comes because he had heard of all the things that God had done, the Lord had done for Moses and for Israel, when he uh, encountered his father-in-law and they go into the tent, he begins to tell in detail uh, to his father-in-law the things that God had done and it wasn't just the good things that he had told his father-in-law, right? Remember what the scripture said? And he shared with him even the difficulty. And we spoke briefly last week, or maybe not so briefly, um, about the fact that our testimony sometimes is just going to include the difficulty and the difficult aspects of our life, right? Because the reality is very few people can identify with a life that just goes perfect. I don't know how many of you people have lived that life where everything breaks your way. Uh, that's not my life. My life hadn't gone like that. I've had a lot of things break against me. That's what most people can identify with. And I mentioned last week that sometimes uh, we want to shelter the reputation of God from the world and not include the difficult things in our life when we share about God. As though God is in need of our defense. But Moses shares this. And ultimately what ends up happening is Jethro makes this declaration. He makes a declaration because he was a Midianite. He was the Midianites being descendants of Abraham. They probably had this skewed view of the covenant, the skewed view of the God of Abraham. As a matter of fact, we find out in the scripture that uh, uh, even though Jethro is a priest of Midian, that he responds to the actions of God on behalf of the Hebrews and makes a declaration that the Lord is greater than all other gods. So you kind of see where maybe Jethro had this uh, melting pot or this uh, a smorgasbord of deities maybe involved in his life. But he makes this great declaration that God is like no other or the, the God of the Hebrews is like no other. And he goes on and one of the beautiful things about that portion of scripture is that ultimately after making this declaration and the words that he uses 
are these words, now I know. Implying that upon this uh, latest experience, he did not know. But now he knows. And so ultimately what he ends up doing is this experience that he had had connected to what God had done with the Hebrews generated a response out of his being one of worship, right? That's what the scripture says, that they made sacrifices, burnt offerings, they worshiped the Lord. And the scripture ends where we ended last week was that they were basically breaking bread together. I mean, it was, you know, your, your old school Protestant, you know, Sunday afternoon, you know, potluck kind of thing, right? That's what it smells like. That's what it looks like. And so uh, uh, that's where that, 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 that ended last week with them having this time of, of rejoicing, this time of, uh, of becoming familiar with one another again, having not seen each other, probably a time of reunion. You know what it's like when you have those family reunions and you love everyone that you see at the reunion, Okay, 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 okay. Uh, and, and, and so this was probably happening, you know, to some degree. And that's where we find ourselves this morning. And we find ourselves in Exodus chapter 18. We're going to start with verse 13. And I just want to commend Brandon back there. He's part of the D team. Is that what it is, Brandon, the D team? The D team back there uh, this morning in the control room, if you will. And uh, the D team is being promoted to the B team. So um, excellent job, excellent job. So let's look at this scripture in Exodus chapter 18. We're going to work our way through this, and we're going to try to extract a few things that's going to benefit you, benefit me, and uh, encourage us all in our faith and our journey uh, with Christ, right? So let's look at Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 and 14 is where we'll begin. The scripture says, The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning to evening? Father, in Jesus' name, to the benefit of the speaker, the benefit of the hearer, Lord, we just pray that your spirit would settle on this place. Lord, there, there are individuals in here whose lives are at different places, going through different struggles, different events, different stresses, different anxieties, different pressures, different needs. And I pray, Father, in that dynamic way in which you do it, that one word can be spoken, yet multiple hearts can receive from the place that they find themselves at, Lord. You, only you can do that. And so, Lord, that's what we're asking this morning, that you would speak to each and every person here today, regardless of where they find themselves, that you would speak truth to them, that they would know today, Lord, not only do you love them, but you see them. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray and ask these things. Amen. Hey, right here, man, right off the top of the, at the very top of this scripture, it says something, I mean, that kind of relates probably to you and I. It says, the next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. Literally, they have this reunion, they have this uh, meal, they have this potluck, whatever it looked like in the, you know, this time of rejoicing. But you know what? Those seasons are short-lived really, aren't they, Daniel? Life comes beckoning. And it doesn't wait for you to prepare yourself. The scripture says the next day. 
The ne- you ever feel like you might be, you might need to fly to Florida, you might need to fly to Orlando, you might need to fly to you know, this place or that. You feel like you need a break because no matter where we're at in life, even in those moments when God gives us a cushion where margins have been created in our life, I'm telling you, it's at, I mean, it, it happens like this so quickly before the pressures of life, Jose, are pushing right back in on us. And sometimes it's not just the pressures of life, but it's just the pressures Even in ministry, the pressures of honoring God and and carrying out whatever charge God has put on your heart, we can't just put those things on the back burner and expect them just to disappear or dissipate, and we can kind of just go into coast mode. You know what I mean? I mean, the next day's coming. The next day's coming for you, and it's coming for me. It just happens that way. We shouldn't be surprised it always comes. So this responsibility arrives the very next day. They may have been cleaning up the pot roast at this time. It was an all-nighter. And yet the responsibility awaits them the very next day. And he took his seat to serve as judge for the people. Right? And then the scripture goes on and it says this. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses alludes to this response. What is this that you are doing for the people? He responds, he responds ultimately by saying this. The people come to me whenever they have a dispute, right? What he is implying right here isn't that this is something that just originated, but this is something that's probably been happening for some time. He didn't say they're, they're just now coming to me, but they do come to me. They come to me. Whenever this situation arises, whenever there's disputes and, and, and these things happen, this is what is taking place. Now, one of the things we've got to notice here in the Scripture is that Jethro doesn't say to him, why are you judging? Why why are you doing this? That's not what he says to him. But what he says to him is, why are you doing this alone? Why are you doing this alone? It's absolutely necessary that it be done, but why are you doing it alone? And I want to tell you guys this morning, with the utmost resolve that this is the absolute truth, Alone in any kingdom endeavor is an absolute recipe for disaster. Disaster. From fatigue to burnout to lack of accountability and many other factors that can lead to being completely overwhelmed take place in our lives when we endeavor to do things alone. Kingdom building, kingdom expansion is a task reserved For many hands, not just your hands. The old adage, you know, uh, 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 many hands make a light load kind of concept. Kingdom building is the exact same thing. The the expansion of the kingdom isn't up to Trent. It it isn't up to Nathan or Tim. It isn't up to to, uh, 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 Kevin or Gabe or Jose or, or Reuben. You know who it's up to? It's up to all of us. It's up to all of us. And whenever we start to lift things that are outside of our capacity to lift, then we watch the fatigue set in. We watch the burnout set in. We watch the overwhelming situations set in because we're alone. 
And God's never intended it to be that way. And that's what he says to them. While all these people stand around you from morning till evening. And, this, and Moses answered, because the people come to me, right, to seek God's will whenever they have a dispute. It is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Now, to look behind the veil at this scripture, did you just hear what Moses said? He said, the people come to me to seek God's will. What? Whenever they have a dispute. I want to give you a look behind the veil at this ragtag group of people he's leaving or leading. Right? Now, this isn't the first time. This has probably been a practice, maybe not a daily practice, but a practice that's been implemented. And on this given day, he's going to resolve some disputes. The problem is the amount of disputes that are present are going to require him to be out there from sunrise till sunset. Now you think about that group of people he's leading, right? Can you imagine the first individual comes up to him, he's got a crisis, they've got a dispute, whether whatever the dispute might be, he resolves that and he thinks, man, I've really made up some ground. I've really accomplished something. Then all of a sudden, you look up, man, and there's a train of people. And you realize at that moment, man, you're not sitting down. You're, this thing's not ending anytime soon. There's no 9 o'clock break, 11 o'clock, there's no lunch, there's no afternoon break. You're on overtime. So it kind of gives you a look into the people, into the mindset, and the issues of the hearts of the people that he's leading right here. And then he says something that really speaks to me. And I think it's going to speak to some of you today. When he says this, he says, because the people come to me, Does that make it right that he does that? Because the people come to him? Are you one of those people? Are you one of those people, the, the whole perfectionist myth thing? You know what the perfectionist myth basically implies? That the concept? Now this is me, but I think it's some of you too. The perfectionist myth says this. If I don't do it, no one will. And if someone will, they won't do it right. Am I the only one guilty of this? Am I the only one guilty of this? That's the perfectionist myth. And so Moses is sitting there saying, and you can almost see it, right? God hadn't talked to anybody else through a burning bush. It must then be on me. If I don't do it, it isn't getting done. And if I hand it over to some of these jackalopes in here, it isn't going to be done right. You can see it, right? And you and I are like that. Or at least I am and a couple of you. Because I know you. And you know me. And sometimes it's easier to go ahead and do the thing and become exhausted because we don't want to delegate. We don't want to give that. We don't want to surrender that. The control thing. Are you, with, are, you, are you following me? Are you tracking with me? And what ends up happening when you're like that? You end up becoming what? The exhausted martyr, right? Where everyone looks at you and says, oh man, he gives so much. He, he does so much. He serves so much. 
And the whole time you're walking around sweat at your own hands. Sweating from your brow, completely exhausted. And what ends up happening is because we've taken on tasks that are too big for us to handle, that should have been delegated out, when the real tasks that are our responsibilities show up, we don't have the energy for that. I'll make a quick application here. I'll give my life to everyone else. And I'm not, I'm not speaking about me into, uh, 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 personally, but it, there's an application. You too. I'll give my life to everyone else. And when I get home, I have no steam for my family. I don't have the energy for my own children. I don't have the energy for my own wife. I don't have the energy for your husband. Because you've exhausted yourself in engaging in situations that God hadn't called you to engage in, but no one else does it, so you'll do it. And you're on the flip side of that, man. And you're broken. You're broken. It's the pastor who drives the van. It's the pastor who, who drives the van, cleans the church. It's the pastor who drives the van, cleans the church, mows the grass. Or whoever it might be. It's the other guy in the church who's, who's painting the walls, who's vacuuming the floor, who's cutting the grass. And then by the time, and doing his 40, 50, 60 hours in a plant, man. And I've been there, done it for 25 years. And then you get home and your wife or your husband says this, that, or another. And you're like, man, I need a break. But you just got home. Yeah, but I'm empty. I have nothing to give. I'm feeling burnt out. And you know what ends up happening? I've seen families end. I've seen marriages end because the perceived burnout in their minds is happening at home where they don't have the energy. When the burning out is taking place out there and you're just coming in burnout and you're looking at this situation and saying that's where the burnout is fleshing itself out. So that must be it. You know what I mean? And everyone else is getting your best. And the people that God has ordained that you care for, first and foremost, your family is getting your least. Moses said, well, they come to me. I got to do it. Got to do it, Kevin. And he said, I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. My goodness. I, decide, I meet a line of people from sunrise, and I decide for these people. Can you imagine the weight of that, Daniel? Making decisions for families, for spouses, for marriages, for jobs, whatever. On one person? On Moses? You say, well, God's grace is sufficient. Then you're not understanding what the scripture means. And I'll get to that in a few minutes. And Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're doing is not good. Now remember, he saw what God was doing and he rejoiced. He sees what Moses is doing and he says, eh, not so good. You know why? Moses isn't God. God's God. And he looks at him and he says, what you're doing isn't good. It isn't good. You cannot put a price on a friend who loves you enough to tell you the truth. 
Oh, man, he's the instrument of God, right, Moses? Wouldn't it have been so much easier for Jethro to look at his son-in-law? Jethro was about to leave. Man, why am I going to stir this thing up? Man, I can just avoid this whole conflict. I don't have to address this. But instead, he loves him so much, Otis, that he looks at his son-in-law, regardless of his intent and motive. He says, son, this thing you're doing, it isn't good. Antisthenes, who is a cynic philosopher, a, a peer, if you will, of Socrates. Now, I don't want you going home reading about him and following his nonsense, but sometimes even a broken clock, right, is right twice a day, right? A blind squirrel finds a nut, right? He, he, said, he said that there's only two groups of people that will tell you the truth. Your enemies to destroy you, and those people who love you dearly to save you. And when you have people, man, in your life that look at you, brother, and say, man, you need to sharpen that walk, man. You need to tighten up. When you got people like that in your life, those people are a treasure. And I've had people in my life, Jay, who have looked at me and said, Tritt, you need to tighten up, man. And in the moment they said it, it stung. But as the emotions dissipated, the reality of what they said settled in. And so the scripture would say, wounds from a friend can be trusted. What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. You know what he's saying? You know what he's saying? He's saying, hey, Moses, this ain't good for you, and it ain't good for them. Husband, it isn't good for you. Wife, it ain't good for you. It is not good for your family. You see the application. It's, everyone will suffer loss under these conditions. And then he says this. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. And for perfectionists, people who buy into that nonsense like I do sometimes, and I have to walk myself back. You know, I have to, I have to be cognitive of what's taking place and I have to say I literally have to push myself back and the whole time I'm pushing myself back Jeremiah I'm reaching in again and I, God's like and I'm like but I want control I want access and God's saying he said the work is too heavy for you and you cannot handle it and you and I need to know what our limitations are Ben you know what I'm talking about, brother? You know what I'm talking about. What I can do and what I can't do. Not what I want to do. There's a lot of things I want to do, but I can't do it. Reuben, there's a lot of things I want to do, but I just don't have the capacity to do it. And sometimes we've got to know what our limitations are and be honest about that. Sometimes we've got to just say, can't do it. 
I know my capacity. I had, I had heard a man say, he had made a declaration. He said, I, I'm so tired of worrying. I'm so tired of worrying. I'm going to pay someone to worry for me. So he put out an ad. $1,000 a day for anyone who will worry for me. Think of people knocking at his door left and right. First guy comes to the door, he opens the door. That's the, that's the winner, right? Guy said, hey, you offered $1,000 a day for me to worry for you? Guy said, yes, I am. He said, I'll take that job. The guy said, great. He said, where's my $1,000? He said, that's the first thing you need to worry about. But we do, we have limitations. Every one of us have limitations. And we have to understand our, limita our limitations aren't just going to affect us. When we overextend ourselves into something, the fallout is sometimes great. Immense. Immense. And the reality, it doesn't make us ungodly because we're we have def not deficient, but limitations, a lack of capacity. That, that makes us human, right? I mean, we are mere cups. God is like an ocean. We can only hold so much. It's not a limitation of who God is. It's a limitation of who we are. Jesus addresses this. And this is how he addresses it. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, this is what the scripture says. And Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. I'm going to make the harvesters that I've got have greater capacity. That's not what he said. He said the harvest is great. I'm just going to increase Ben's capacity. That's not what he says. The harvest is great. I'm going to make Trent be able to do more. That's not what he says. He says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the field. One translation renders it, send out more workers. Jesus recognized that it's not the Lord of the harvest who is limited, but it's the workers who are limited, their own individual capacity. If that were not so, there would only be the need for one worker. And God could expand his capacity to, to minister and to reach every need in the world. But that's not the case. We are limited beings, influenced and empowered by an infinite God. We need more cups. You need more cups. In your life and in my life. And God's given me cups, Dwayne. He's given me cups in my life. There are so many people here. We've got a, you guys know this. We've got a team of people downstairs right now. We've got 80 volunteers working with the kids, 88 volunteers working with their kids. You know what? Those are cups. You know why those 88 people, you know what they're saying? It's not going to be on you to do this ministry. It's not going to be on you, Carrie. It's going to be on us. Because we believe God supplies the power. We just want to be available cups that he might pour his ocean into us.
because we know, Jose, our limits. Our limits. So let me just read on through this. We need this cat in our life. We need Jethro. I don't care, I don't care what you call him. You, whatever his name is in your life, so be it. But you need this kind of cat right here. Listen now to me. Now, notice he's not saying, hear me. He defines what listening is. Listening, li there's a difference in listening and hearing. Listening, listening is when there is a response to what is being said, and that's what happens in a minute. Scripture says, listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. I don't want to be a hearer. I want to be a listener. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. <laughs> I love that because all good spiritual advice will lead you end up ultimately into intercession and prayer, right? Some cat's giving you advice, spiritual advice, and somewhere in that spiritual advice doesn't include you seeking God, you praying, you finding intimacy with God. Amen. You may just as well just dispel that advice. Just chuck it to the side. This is what he says. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Then, then he says, teach them his decrees and instructions. You know what's hidden in there? Know his teachings, his decrees and instructions. Can't teach what you don't know. Right? And show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. Man, you're talking about some deep advice. He said, look, man, teach them, but that ain't enough. Show them. Show them. You know the old adage, you've heard it, more things are caught than taught, you know? A life well lived, I've said this, is a very, very powerful, convincing agent in kingdom building. A life well lived out on display for people to see. And then it rose on. Let's, let's go. We're, we're going to rush through this. I got a plane leaving. <laughs> Maybe. He says, but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God. Man, you're talking about advice. He said, hey, your inner circle, make sure they got that God fear. Hey, when, God, when you're building your inner circle of people, and we need inner circle people. You know what? We need people close to us that live in our skin. You know what I'm talking about? Make sure they got that God fear. Trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain. Now listen to this. Trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain. Maybe even your dishonest game. Man, don't you want people who have the God fear and will look at you at times and say, hey, even at the cost of you losing your benefit and looking at you and saying, that's a no-go. That's a no-go. Man, I need people like that. I need people like that who will be so truthful with me, even to my own loss. This is what people have the God fear do. He says, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. 
These are the people he was dealing with. Can you, thousands, hundreds, fifties, and have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. Now at that moment, you might want to say, eh, give me the, either. but you know what? He still had a responsibility, Reuben. He wasn't getting out of the load that God had equipped him to bear, and the, what he had equipped him to bear was the heavy, difficult stuff. But the minuscule, the smaller things, that's what the scripture says right here. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. Beautiful. And if you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. You know what he's saying, Ronnie? This will benefit everybody. Everyone. Here it is, closing right here, this verse. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times, the difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. <laughs> then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro returned to his own country. Moses listened and Moses did. You get that? Let's just unpack that. Let's unpack that and take that home with us. Moses listened and Moses did. And the outcome was just as Jethro had proclaimed it would be. Because Moses wasn't just a hearer. He was a listener and a doer. And when we listen and we do, then the issues of our life and the problems and the battles of our life find a solution. A solution is found in that. God isn't up here withholding from us the solutions to the problems of our life. It's just that when he gives those to us, are we actually listening? Or are we just hearing and then saying, I'll do something else? Have you ever done that? Gabe, you've done that, haven't you? Jacob, have you ever done that? You heard, but it wasn't really what you wanted to hear. And you had done figured things out a little bit better than God because you're pretty smart. You know, you're pretty smart. God's not down with the culture. He's not as hip as you are. You know, you, you, can, you can navigate this. So there's things God just ain't down with. God's kind of old. You know, he's the, he's the old God of the Bible. I, I work this thing out. And then you get in there and you realize, oh, man, Jose, I should have listened. Ruben, I should have listened. I should have listened. And then you're on the flip side of not listening. Now you're having to work out the mess that you created by not listening. And now you don't have just the original salute or the original problem. Now you got a problem built on top of the problem where you hadn't listened and did. I'm glad that Moses listened. And you know, he could have pulled rank on Jethro, couldn't he? He could have pulled rank on Jethro. He could have said to Jethro, he, he, he could have said, hey, 
What did that burning bush say to you, old man? Right? What did that burning bush say to you? Oh, nothing? Well, it says he could have pulled rank on him. But he humbled himself, understood the value of one, a friend who truly loved him and was willing to speak truth into his life. And he listened and he did. And there was resolution, godly resolution. And everyone benefited. Everybody, everybody. Your kids benefited, your neighbors benefited, your co-workers benefited, your, your kids' school teachers benefited, your church family benefited. Yeah. So that's where we're at. That's the end of chapter 18. That's where we find ourselves. And so, as we leave this building... This morning, the thing I want to leave you with is the decision that sets before you, and it's a decision that only you can make. I can't make it for you. And the decision is this. Will I be a listener, or will I just be a hearer? The decision you make becomes pretty obvious at a later date. That decision will manifest itself in a matter, in a manner that, that will produce, that will produce. I plead with you, plead with you, make the wise decision to be a listener and a doer. Amen. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we just wanted to share this scripture. We just wanted to extract some things, the things that you speak to us, the things you let us see, the things that you reveal to us, you open up to us. It seems like the answer to all this, Lord, ultimately begins with a, a humility of spirit. Because when we look at this scripture, the first thing we have to acknowledge is that we are limited people. My intelligence can only take me so far. My, my skill set can only take me so far. My personality, my, my demeanor, attitude can only take me so far. So we acknowledge this morning, Lord, we are limited. And Father, if we suffer from that perfectionist myth where it's hard for us to let go, even, even to our own detriment, we hang in there and we suffer you know, that, 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 that exhausted fatigue, martyrdom, that's not what you want for us. That's not what you want for us. Father, let us let go of that stuff. Let us occupy the spot you've called us to. Even if it's difficult, even if it's difficult cases, if you've equipped us for that task, then we have that capacity. 
Lord, the difficult tasks become backbreaking when we load all the other things on there with it. That we don't want to do. And so, Father, we declare to you this morning that we have ears to listen. When you speak to us, I want to listen and I want to do. And then I want to see, Father, your word flesh itself out as I know it will in my life and the lives of my brothers and sisters. Lord, I bless them. I pray, oh God, that you would encourage them that something said would, would have spoken to someone today. Maybe they come not even expecting this to be said to them and you have spoken it to them. Oh God, may that word find fertile ground to root into their hearts. Today, today, in this moment. So Father, we bless you and we thank you. And we ask all that we ask. We serve in all that we serve. And we do it in the name of Jesus. And the sons and daughters of God said amen. 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 God bless you.